Good morning, everybody. Uh, man, God is good. It's great to see everybody here. My goodness, on Great Ethiopian Run Day, clap for yourselves or, or something. This is very <laughs> impressive. Um, very excited to be with you all today. Today is a special Sunday for us. We're doing something that we have not done in a long time. I'm pretty sure uh, most of you have not uh, are, uh, been part of this kind of a service like we're going to have today. The last time we did it, we were such a small congregation. We had ordination in a small room with about eight or nine of us. Today is ordination Sunday. What that means is we are recognizing and honoring uh, the ministers, some ministers among, uh, among us, and uh, we're going to set them aside and honor the call of God on their lives as a church family today. Amen? Now, that's, that's the agenda for today, and I'm going to give a small word explaining what this is all about, how this works. But I thought it was so interesting today, because when I walked in, I saw Gash Tolosa here today. Gash Tolosa Gudina, he's, he's, a, he's a, a pastor and a prophet in our nation for many, many, many years. But I thought it was interesting because some of you heard me say this story before, but when I was 14 years old, I remember Gash Tolosa pulled me aside and said, come here. He didn't say it in English. He said it in Amarinya, come here. And he took me to the room and Gazellek came with him and he closed the door and locked the door. And I said, Jesus, help us. Sit down. <laughs> Sat down. And he laid hands on me and he prophesied a lot of the things that actually we're doing now. Isn't that amazing? And uh, um, uh, some things is still yet to come to pass, and we're on the way. But I, I thought it was on ordination day to have Gash Tolosa here. For me, it's just like a little ashara from heaven. Come on, somebody. That we're in the right track. Gash Tolosa, could you stand and could we honor you today and just uh, welcome you to the house of, of God today? We thank God for you, sir. Praise the Lord. Welcome. Uh, also, I saw Gash Abi is, is here also. Uh, Gash Abi is, uh, when I started in ministry, uh, we used to have Bible study every Thursday night at his house in California. Every Thursday night, Bible study, prayer meeting. And we, uh, we went through a lot together. And now... Uh, Gash Abi has grown. He's a big man now. <laughs> but not only that, I think uh, Yoni just got married, I believe, who, who I used to babysit. Uh, at Bible study, they would pray. I would take care of his kids now. And uh, Gash Abi, it's great to have you here to welcome, welcome to church today. Thank God for you. Amen. Tell your neighbor I'm going to leave different today from the way I came in. Just want to just want to give some direction. Uh, I would like us to go to Ephesians chapter four, and beginning in verse number four today, please. We're going to read all the way to about verse uh, sixteen. Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse number four. <clears throat> there is one body. 
and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us today, not just to preach a message, but to communicate your desire, your heart. And we just pray, Father God, that your will would be accomplished fully among us today. And we ask that you take the glory for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what we see here, this is a familiar piece of scripture, but it's it's important piece of scripture because in this passage we have the outlaying of the structure and the order of God and how God functions, how God works. Abba always says that if we honor the order of God, we get the God of the order. Amen? God always works with order. Um, and the Bible is very clear here. It says that uh, we are one body, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one God and Father over us all. One. So we are all one by way of this hope. You can say amen. We are all one by way of this faith. We are one by way of the same Father. And God and Father over, over all of us. But then it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given. Okay, we are all one. But each one of us has a different grace that has been given. What this means is, is that although we are part of one body, we have unique giftings and unique assignments, unique, unique callings, and, and uh, those callings make us unique. But the value of those callings and the reason God gives those callings and those graces is for the purpose of building the unity of the one body. Are you following what I'm saying? The, the tragedy is for m many of us in the church, the unique gifting has actually been a, a reason for dividing the church as opposed to uniting the church. 
We take the anointing and the calling and the gifting and we steer it toward our own name. We steer it to our own agenda or even we can make a business out of it. But God's purpose when he gives the anointing, when he gives that grace, it's for the building of the unity of the body. Everybody say it, amen. You have to say on that. So we are one body, but many graces, many parts, many giftings, many anointings. In fact, each one of us has our own unique gift and contribution to the body. I tell my children all of the time, you have a unique handprint, fingerprint. No one has ever had this handprint in the history of the world before. And no one will ever have it again. You also have a unique voice print. That that voice has never been heard before. And it will never be heard again. Which tells me that when God brought me into the earth, I'm supposed to leave a mark that will never be taken away again. And say something, announce something, declare something that will have never been before and will never... We are called to make a unique deposit of God's kingdom in the earth. But what happens many times is, you know, because of the... Instagram and because of the YouTube and because of so-and-so and whatever, we look at someone and we want to be like them. We try to spend our time being like them. We learn from them and then try to be like them. Now, it's good to model good things, but not everything that is popular needs to be modeled. And so what ends up happening is instead of us leaving a mark that was supposed to never be erased on the earth, somebody else's hands is laid on us. And we end up a clone of somebody else. Lord, help us. Amen. So each one of us has a grace. One body, but many graces. Your grace is needed for the unity of the body. Your grace is needed for the unity of God's family, God's household. Are you you following what I'm saying? In the same measure, within the house of God, there's also unique grace, as the Bible says, for the ministry of the house of God, for the order of the house of God. We are all one in the house of God. But even just like everybody has a unique grace, there are some graces. The Bible says Christ who descended and also ascended, he gave some gifts eh, to be working in the house. And he calls them gifts. He doesn't call them just take it and run with it. God prepared a Christmas time. Think Christmas gift. I have something perfect for you. And he gives gifts. And the gift... Is not a new car. I disappointed somebody. <laughs> eh? God gives gifts by way of the, the servants that he raised up in the house of God. Yes. Amen? And, and, and those servants that he raised are uniquely anointed and uniquely gifted for that very assignment. And in that gifting, eh, God works with that order. God works with that structure. You remember the story when they ran out of food, the the people had been following Jesus for three days and then the disciples came to Jesus and they said, you know, three days we've been following you Uh, and the people, the crowd has been following you and they have not eaten anything, they have not drank anything, it's dangerous, please send them home so they can buy some food otherwise they're going to collapse. And Jesus had compassion and he said to them, now you give them something to eat. But we have nothing here but five loaves. And two fish. Jesus said, bring that to me. And Jesus took the bread and the fish. He gave thanks and he broke it. And when he broke it, he gave it to the disciples. Who were the disciples? The disciples were the people that Jesus had called to be with him and to be sent out by him. 
the disciples. And he sent the disciples to the multitude. All right? And, and the people would receive from Jesus by way of the disciples. So in other words, if they could receive from the disciples, they could also receive from Jesus. They couldn't say, uh, 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 Peter, I don't want to take any fish from you. <laughs> Peter, give me Jesus. I want Jesus. But you don't understand that Jesus is here by way of his ambassador to bring the bread to you. If you can receive the bread from Peter, you have received the bread from Jesus. Amen. 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 This is body function. This is how in the Old Testament, this is how God, before God brought his people into the promised land, he gave structure and order. He said the tabernacle will be here. He says Mary, uh, Moses and Aaron and even their sister Miriam was called to lead the, the people of Israel. And he gave the tabernacle here, Moses' house here. The Levites, the priests of God were to surround the tabernacle. And then surrounding all of them was the 12 tribes of Israel. Tell your neighbor order. This was not man's idea. This was God's idea. God said, set it up this way so that I could live among you. Amen? And with that order, they took that order and they possessed the promised land with that order and structure. Amen? And, and as they stayed in that order and structure, everything went fine. God drove the hornet ahead of them. He brought the victory. He drove out all of their enemies. They possessed the land. And they possessed the land until Joshua and the elders who served with Joshua in his generation until they passed away. And then the book of Joshua gives way to the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, this is the culture or the language of Judges. It says, in those days, Israel had no leader or no judge. Everybody did as they saw fit. That's the, that's the theme of the book of Judges. Are you following what I'm saying? So in the book of Judges, everybody, instead of following the structure of God, everybody did whatever they felt like doing. And the Bible says whenever they did that, enemies would rise up against them. And then they would cry out to God. And what would God do? God would raise up a leader. And the Bible says, or a judge, and God was with the judge. And because God was with the judge, he rescued them from all of their enemies. You're looking at me with a funny, I'm just saying what the Bible says in the book of Judges. Read for yourself. God was with the judge, and as long as he was with the judge, there was peace. He drove off their enemy, then the judge died, then people did whatever they wanted. The enemies rose up against them, and then they cried out to God, and God sent, raised up a judge. It's interesting. God did not come down and drive out the enemies. Like a, like a you know, mosquito. He stayed where he was and he raised up a judge. Just like with the multitudes, he did not go to every 5,000 people. He sent the 12. Yes. Amen? So that structure is very much alive today even though we are in the new covenant. Although now in the new covenant, the language changes. It's no longer a tabernacle and the structure and the temple structure and the order. Now it's called a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Christ is the head of the church, of which, the body of which he is the head. We are the body. One body, many parts. So you are a part. And I am a part. Everybody, actually, if you're in the house of God, you play a part. Say, I play a part. One head, one body, many parts. And as we recognize how the body works and how the body functions, it's God's body, it's God's structure. Honoring God's structure means we get the God of the structure. 
Some of you are nervous. I'm nervous too, actually, to be honest. Because I think in the name of order and in the name of structure, uh, there has been a lot of abuse in the body of Christ. Don't call me pastor, call me daddy. <laughs> call me papa, papa. I like that one. Don't call me pastor, call me dada, papa. Call me papa. <laughs> <laughs> But there's abuse in the body, and I'm sure many of you could talk about, you know, stories of what you've seen happening in the house of God, myself included. For example, we, we, we're not the leaders anymore, we're the bosses. And you are the employees. Serve me. You didn't clean my shoes today. I'm the man of God, and my shoes have a spot of dirt, and you're watching there praising God. No. See, these kinds of things. When you need 3,000 bodyguards to walk before you, and make way for you, and a chariot of fire and limousines to escort you to, and that's not the body of Christ, okay? That's a demonic Jezebel spirit. That's not the body of Christ. You see, amen? With every truth, with every truth in the scriptures, there is extremes. Every, every truth can be extremes, and every truth of God has to be uh, measured out with balance. Because the beauty of the truth is effective in a, in a place of, of balance. Balance. For example, we are called the body of Christ, right? We are the body. Have you noticed about your body? Your body is an amazing, miraculous work of, of, of genius by God. There's doctors here who can verify. And the body is only effective when it operates in balance, your natural body. For example, everybody has a heartbeat. I think. Okay? <laughs> now, in order for the body to be effective, the heartbeat has to beat with a certain amount of beats per minute, a certain amount of, of blood pressure. If the pressure goes too high, you could die from too much blood pressure. Yeah? So you have to take medicine to bring that blood pressure down. So it's regulated. So it's balanced. Am I right about it? At the same time, if your blood pressure goes too low, you could also die. Therefore, you need to take medicine to bring that up because the body functions beautifully in a place of balance. Yes. All right? So there's some people who as leaders, they've taken the blood pressure too high. I'm not a pastor. I'm the king. You don't come into my presence unless you bow. That's truth, but it's extreme. It's too high. It will kill you. There's other people who say, I don't need any pastor. It's just me and Jesus all by myself. I got this. I don't need you. Abusive pastor in Jesus' name. Now, that's true also. There is abuse. You have a measure of truth, but it's too low. You also die. Balance. Balance. In fact, not just with blood sugar, with blood, uh, with blood pressure, blood sugar, iron, uh, uh, enzymes, vitamins. I mean, you, are a, you, you need balance in everything. Because it's in the balance that the beauty of the body is revealed. And it's the same with the body of Christ. So we honor leadership in balance because it's God's command and God's order. Leaders, don't abuse your sheep. Love the sheep as Christ loved the church. Balance. Because in the balance is the beauty of the body of Christ. Amen? Amen, amen. So I am not suggesting that we have perfected this as Beza. But I think in our experience, this is the goal. If we could have balance, we have God. We have a healthy body. Amen. And in the place of a healthy body, God is there. Hallelujah. 
extremes of anything, it's, it's, it's deadly. It will kill you. It's the devil. Balance. Tell your neighbor balance. Amen. So today we're going to do something by way of balance. And in the balance, God will be revealed. And I think it's appropriate to do this even now. Because anointing leaders, I believe it's more than just recognize them, right? recognizing them as, as, as the church. But I believe when we say amen to what God is saying, we're being like the multitudes. We're receiving the disciples, what they've received and been doing. So we are receiving the God who sent them. Recognizing what God has done is biblical. We're recognizing who God has set apart. It's biblical. Amen? And it brings blessing. And it brings us the very things that God was sending through them. Amen? And many times it's the answer to a lot of challenges. Because it's more than recognizing. It's receiving from God. And it brings the presence of God. These acts, I believe, they're honored in heaven. And they release an anointing. Um, I remember the story... In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse uh, 18 and 19, the Bible says that in the time of Elijah and King Ahab, there was a, a famine in the land. It had not rained on the land for three and a half years. And they were, the situation was desperate, very dire situation. And, and the king, King Ahab said, go find Elijah. And he brought Elijah and Elijah said to the king, come meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring all the prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel. We're going to see who the real God is. Do you remember that story? I, it's a long story. That's why I'm just giving a summarized version. They met. And if you remember the story, there was competition. The false prophets tried to bring fire down from heaven. There was no fire. Finally, Elijah says, now clear everything Put water on the altar. You can read it for yourself. First Kings chapter 18. But the Bible says fire fell down from heaven. Consumed the sacrifice. And the whole nation fell prostrate. When they saw what God had done. And they said in unison. The Lord. He is God. Now mind you. It was not fire they needed from heaven. They needed water. The fire came to prove who was God. Now that God is established and the people turn to God, now is time for the rain. And Elijah went up on the mountain, put his head between his knees and prayed and cried out seven times. He sent the servant. On the seventh time, there was a, a cloud in the sky the size of a man's fist. And when he saw that, he said, run, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And before he could reach home, the Bible says that he outran the chariot. It's kind of powerful. Like he, the prophet outran the king who was riding in a chariot of horses. I like that because it tells me that spiritual always outranks natural, no matter how powerful the natural is. That's another message for another time. But the Bible says that the rain came down. The land that had been so thirsty for so long, they finally got rain. The land drink, drank the rain. The prayer was answered. Rain has come. Crops will grow. We will eat and drink again. Are you following what I'm saying? Rain means God has visited us. God has blessed us. The heavens are no longer shut. Thank God for the rain. Now it's funny, in the middle of that rain, while it was raining, Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, the queen, everything that Elijah had done. And Jezebel said this word. She says, tell Elijah that 
if, if by, not by this time tomorrow, Elijah will not end up like those prophets of Baal. Did I say that right? Receive the Spirit in Jesus' name of interpretation. <laughs> by this time tomorrow, Elijah will be just like those prophets of Baal. They were all killed. In other words, Elijah, you're going to die. It's raining, meaning that God has answered prayer. It's blessing. Hallelujah. But in the midst of this blessing, a word came. You will die by tomorrow. It's all over for you. In the midst, it's, a, it's com confusing. Are we blessed or are we cursed? Did God answer or is God against us? Did God forget his people? In the confusion, the Bible says that Elijah took off and ran. And how far did he run? He ran for 40 days. Tell your neighbor 40 days. Not walking, running. That's a scared prophet. The same prophet who yesterday was declaring the glory of God, the victory of God, who called the rain down, who called the fire down. Now he's running for his life the next day. Okay? And he got into a cave. He closed himself in the cave and he began to wish for his death. Kill me, Lord. And God came to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> I am your prophet. And I served you with all my heart. I have faithfully st stood for you. And, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And, and God says, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. It's a long story. Summarize. Shut up, Elijah. Shut up, shut up, shut up, Elijah. <laughs> and I like what, what, what he said. God said, he doesn't say, go back to Jezebel, take the army with you and hit her from this side, then get on the media and say, Jezebel is dead. He didn't say anything because Jezebel is the problem. He says, leave Jezebel alone. Instead, go to Hazael and anoint him king over Syria. Then go to Jehu and anoint him king over Israel. Then go to Elisha and anoint him prophet in your place. What, what next? What, what next, God? Nothing. That's it. But Jezebel is, no, no, no. Whoever does not escape the sword of Hazael will catch the sword of Jehu. And whoever does not catch the sword of Jehu, Elisha will take care of that. <laughs> Meaning that for any Jezebel spirit, the answer is not found in the earthly realm. It is found in the spiritual realm. It is found in the anointing. Praise the name of the Lord. And if you read, continue to read the story, you will find that just like Elijah prophesied, Every enemy of God was put to death. Hallelujah. The, the, the details of Jezebel's death is highlighted in the following chapters. It's kind of gross. I will prevent your eyes and ears in this holy desk to hear the end of Jezebel. But I also prophesy now that as we anoint in the house of God. You see, I can't help but, but, but kind of see Elijah's predicament. And kind of mirror that to what we're going, what's going on in the nation right now. Because we had been prophesying for a long time. And, and, and rain came. I mean, blessing came. 
change came. The things that we had been hoping for almost over. It was almost supernatural. I remember here, we were watching our prime minister fly into Eritrea. Come on, somebody. Something that had, rain had come. I remember just a few weeks ago, lest you forget, we were uh, anointed by the world, not by God, with the Nobel Priest Prize. Tell your neighbor, Zaraf. I mean, that doesn't happen every day in Africa. Hello. And it seemed like the blessing. It seemed like we have arrived. But in the midst of the rain, while it was raining, this Jezebel spirit, I'm not going to say his name. That spirit came. And all of a sudden, we're in the midst of a rain that God has sent. And this voice that is troubling us like a mosquito. And we're confused in the middle. In fact, God bless her heart. One lady came running back to the back and said, what are you going to do? You get it. you heard what's going on. And to be honest, the way she came is like Jezebel. My heart goes and there's people dying and there's crazy stuff happening. And it's true, crazy stuff is happening. And it makes you think, in the midst of the rain, God forgot his people. It's raining. But God forgot his people. It's going to end up not according to the rain, but according to Jezebel's voice. You almost feel like running into a cave and hiding, making God, making you look like you are just a fool up there telling that the blessing is coming from this place. A blessing shall flow. But God's answer then for the time of Elijah is the answer for us today. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing is a spiritual activity. The anointing, the anointing itself, the anointing itself will do a work that no man can do. Today we're going to anoint some people. We're doing a spiritual act as the people of God on behalf of the land. Amen? And we're going to release these people to their ministry. And I believe as we release, I believe that it will have a bearing. We will respond to Jezebel with the anointing. Amen? Amen, amen? amen. So, so today is anointing service. Today is, uh, uh, they call it different names in different traditions, ordination service, consecration service. Bicha, today, that oil is going to drop on somebody's head today. And may heaven take note, hallelujah, that we have responded to Jezebel's voice by anointing the servants of God. The ones who God has anointed and God set apart. Amen? Amen, amen? Do we agree today? I'm not talking anything crazy or out of order balance. But in balance, we honor God and we serve God's purposes.